Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Welcome to the WFNY Cornercast, a podcast that takes an in-depth look at the Cleveland Guardians baseball team and farm system. Presented to you by the WaitingForNextYear.com network of podcasts. Here are Gerbs, Mitch, and Ethan. Hello and welcome to the WFNY Cornercast, part of the Evergreen Podcast Network and Waiting for Next Year community. Today is August 3rd. You'll hear this tomorrow morning, August 4th. And I am your host, Joe Gerbs Gerberry, alongside Mitch the Traveler. Uh, Farmer Ethan is uh, tending his livestock at the crew game tonight. Uh, took his cows out to go uh, munch on the pitch out there. Uh, so he is uh, he is not joining us today. You can actually read his thoughts about the trade deadline. Uh, he actually put uh, fingers to keyboard, pen to paper, and uh, wrote some things for the website uh, today that got published. So I will link those in our show notes tomorrow uh, as we uh, get us ready. But Mitch, Mitch it's the uh, day after the trade deadline officially. Uh, and uh, Cleveland did a, a whole big nothing burger. So, um, and, and I mean, there was a trade made, but I don't know how much we want to discuss Ian Hamilton for Sandy Leone mega swap. Um, but what are your vibes about the team uh, right now? Um, my vibes about the team, uh, well, regarding the trade deadline, you know, I think people are going to be or are, I should say, are disappointed that the Guardians didn't do anything. And I understand that inclination i understand that tendency to be upset um because trades are fun right and like getting better is fun and had they made a trade it probably would have been one to get better uh they're not looking to get worse right now um so it's unfortunate that they didn't make one and i think i heard uh chris antonetti on the radio today and he was saying uh like you know were we entirely successful no because I think they would have wanted to, to make a trade and get better. But the fact is, at the end of the day, they didn't want to, you know, get rid of top prospects that are close because that does limit the team's chances to win World Series in two, three, four, five years. Right. You know, if it slightly increases this year's odds or that next year's odds, but, you know, significantly reduces several years, you know, that's they're not going to do that. So I understand why you're upset, but don't be because they're making the best decisions for the team. Right. Yeah. I think um, Zach Meisel has a really good piece out on the athletic. Uh, I think it was yesterday, possibly last night, um, early this morning, I saw it um, and just had a, you know, good piece. And, but he mentioned how they um, actually, it might've been uh, Terry Francona's quotes, how they weighed uh, next year, or you know, the, this year's postseason odds, um, expectancy, things like that, and looked at it and decided that it was just not in the cards to make moves and push push all the chips in on this year's roster. And 
I can't say that I blame them. Um, I definitely think that they seem to be positioning next year, possibly as the one that's more of an all you know all in move or a a more of a uh, like a, a World Series option possible, um, or at least if not 2023, 2024. But um, yeah, I was a little bummed that there wasn't any trades, um, whether in or out. You know. Um, we didn't uh, we didn't clear out any of the forty man glut that's there. We didn't uh, bring in any prospects. Your Kate Hamilton or Kate Murphy was not here, but um, but let's you know. be real. You were upset that they didn't make any trades because trades are fun. Exactly, we love looking at trades and seeing new players come in. And but you know what? Uh, as as fun as trades are, it was fun today watching. Tyler Freeman make his major league debut being a guardian on the roster this year to make his major league debut. It was really fun watching Oscar Gonzalez get a home run today. It was really fun watching Ahmed Rosario blast a 450 foot home run. Um, This club is still really, really fun and really, really exciting. And it's interesting to see uh, that they didn't make a move. It's interesting to see that it is, it seems as though they're going to use their organizational depth as trade pieces, basically. The, the you... Tyler Freeman coming up, um, there was a Twitter account, I think it's Guardian's uh, perspective, uh, that you know teased maybe Bo Naylor getting the call shortly. Um, Cody Morris is, is coming back, is working his way back from rehab, and he could be the bullpen arm that we were looking for. Um so, I mean, it's possible that they are going to be using the farm system as the trade chips. And and honestly, it's not the worst idea in the world either. So, yeah, no, I mean, like if you had to pick a roster, like a major league team to, to emulate, like what team would you choose, Groups? Probably the like, Dodgers. Yep, the Dodgers. That's what I was going to yeah. I'm glad you picked them. Um, yeah, and that's this is, that is what mine- the Dodgers Meld. This is this is episode twenty of our podcast. We got mind meld going here, <laughs> but this is what the Dodgers do. They accrue these guys. They they build up their their major league roster so that it is full of these young guys that are interesting and exciting. I mean, and it seems like they come out of nowhere. Um, they have like you know they just traded Zach McKinstry and Edwin Rios is on the DL or in the IL I should say. Um, um, also, like Chris Taylor came out of nowhere. I I said Edwin Rios. They have James Outman, who's a like a reasonably high prospect for them, and these and they can just like print these guys. And I think that's what the Guardians want to become. And you know, you'll see the Dodgers make big trades too. But I mean, the Guardians are in the middle of reshaping their roster. They're in the middle of of um, doing this youth movement that's so exciting. So it makes makes sense to me that they don't want to break it up now they will break it up they will like in two years right when like you know the bench is made up of like tyler freeman who's still very interesting and you know nolan jones is a platoon hitter only like those guys are going to be trade candidates in two years uh and they're going to flip them they're going to i mean they're going to consistently have 40-man roster crunches this thing is not going away right Um, Get used yeah. to it. It's fun. This is this is how a good baseball team is run in 2022. Right. I also wanted – I had this thought today as I was uh, doing running around and, and other things. 
it's also not on the fans to be obsessed as much with the 40-man roster. We are all so worried about 40-man roster spots and who they're going to and things like that. And for sure, we should definitely be conscious of who could be coming up and playing for our favorite baseball team. But that's on them to figure out. Just enjoy enjoy the, the fun and the, and the roster that we have to, yeah. to see. And and put off the put off the cares of service time for Nolan and uh, option years left for Richie Palacios and things yeah. of that I nature. Mean, the way I try and think about it is like it's out of my control anyway. So it's right. like, and the Guardians are a really smart team. Like, so Absolutely. my I always challenge myself to try and like figure out what they're doing or like what their mindset is. Because they have one. Right. It's not like they're just like doing like stupid stuff. They're not. So, right. yeah. Like if you want to follow that stuff, that's cool. It just like – I feel like the team deserves some credit. Maybe not for everything, but for, you know, they do have a big, you know, research and development department. They do have a big front office. Like they know what they're doing. Or at the very least, they put a lot of thought into what they're doing. Right. For sure. So, uh, yeah, it was, it was, uh, I agree with everything you're saying here. So, But I wanted Sean um, Murphy, too. So Yeah, I was going to say, I, I, we for sure wanted wanted something to help out. So, uh, um, guys, don't forget, we do have a deal over at BreakingTea.com. BreakingTea.com backslash WFNY. You can find your Guardian shirts there. Uh, again, they have the Trust and, Treat- Trust and Tito, Night Night Andres Jimenez, who had... Uh, just a, a really great series of the Diamondbacks. Uh, I think I saw something that he was one of only like 10 players who had four hits and three stolen bases in a game ever. So, uh, you know, the night night shirt is, is great. If you're a Andres Jimenez fan, as we all are here on the podcast um, and uh, the myriad Jose Ramirez tray uh, shirts that are on there. So um, go ahead and grab those. So, yeah, yes, that Andres night was really incredible to change the subject back. Oh, yeah. Um, it was like he could do no wrong that day. Like, I don't know if you noticed this, but on one of his stolen bases, he had one of those slides where you go in head first and your arm goes over the bag and you're like your your torso arches over it. Yep. So there's a moment where you're not touching it. And 99% of the time, the defender holds the tag on the whole time. Right. But this one time that Andres Jimenez messed up in this game. The defender didn't hold the tag on him, and he was safe in sec- at second. I was, it's like he just like could more, not do any wrong. Yeah. He saw that I was uh, impressed with was the the sliding the slide in the second that somehow he contorted his legs in such a way that they were able to uh, get over and around the tag. So... Um, yeah, no, yeah, that was, was like uh, another another great example of that. Right, just, oh, just body, out, but you're not. Just body control that, you know, is is amazing. So, yeah. All right, let's get some news and notes going, and then we will get into the trade talk, uh, trade Denver Cleveland. Uh, news and notes, as I mentioned, uh, there was a trade made. It was a miners trade. Um, the Guardians sent out Sandy Leon, who was not on the 40-man. He was uh, with the team earlier in the year but um, has since uh, now obviously moved on. Uh, they traded him to the Minnesota Twins for uh, Ian Hamilton, who's a uh, relief arm, uh, also not on the 40-man, got reported to Columbus. Um, Leon actually got called up by the Twins in 
practice today, so he is actually already roster. Um, I don't know what the plan is for Ian Hamilton. I didn't look into him too much. I don't know what uh, the if there's any kind of prospect to him. It could easily just what... be it could easily just be a, a move that's for the Columbus Clippers to make the playoffs. You know, so uh, not real sure. This is what this is what Ben Clemens wrote the first sentence of his write up about this trade. You probably haven't seen Ian Hamilton pitch, but at the same time, you've basically seen Ian Hamilton pitch. It's like Cheers. okay, I think I think that's a that's a good sum up of Ian Hamilton. He just yeah. seems kind of generic. Yeah, just wanted to mention that there was a deal made, and Sandy Leon might end up playing against the Guardians at some point this year, and you'll be like, hey, isn't he in our? Is he in Columbus? No, he's not. He's in Minnesota. So the big news, um, and as I mentioned and alluded to, that uh, the team might be looking to use their prospects as uh, as trade acquisitions, quote-unquote. Uh, Tyler Freeman was called up today. Ernie Clement was sent down, uh, as we've kind of all been clamoring uh, for it to have happen. Uh, got a start today, went one for three with a walk. Um, got it, so got his first major league uh, hit today. As I said, he was the 12th rookie to uh, start for the guardian today uh, or this year. Um, what are your thoughts on Tyler Freeman in general? And then um, obviously he started today in just one game. So it's super small sample size. I won't ask you what you thought about him today, but what do you think of him as a prospect? Yeah. I mean, he's, he's always been a well-heralded prospect, right? And Fangraphs has him as a 50 future value, which is quite high. Um, he's been a contact guy his whole his whole professional career. And, um, you know, Freeman, he's a contact guy. Um, he does not walk a lot. He strikes out almost never. Um, and that's like, that fits in with the, the dynamic and the energy of the team right now. Um, so that's cool. Um, he's not my favorite prospect. He is not anything special with the glove. Um, supposedly his arm is not the best. Although they put him at third today, so what do I know? Um, the one thing that's interesting about his profile, like really, really interesting, is that he gets hit by a ton of pitches. Um, and that has been actually a weird amount of his value in the minor leagues. If you look at his... It is weird. Uh, yeah, he's been hit by 53, 60, 66, uh, 85, if my math is correct, in Oof. his professional career. Uh, and that's insane. Like that is so many. Um, I, and like he is, if he can, if he can like continue to do that for whatever, whatever reason, if that is a skill, um, you know, like maybe his walking or his lack of walking won't be as much of a problem. Yeah. Um, I, I, I just equated him with, uh, Stephen Kwan on the infield. Um, is probably the best way of uh, describing him uh, in my eyes. If you're looking for a, a hitter comp out there for those that are unfamiliar with Tyler Freeman. Um, but yeah, I, I've, I, the thing about Stephen Kwan is that he walks, which I love about him. Um, right. Yeah. Tyler Freeman, his on-base ability in the minor leagues until this year actually has been almost exclusively getting hit by pitches. Which is right. Just, I was I was going to say this is the first year that he's showing any kind of um, like help with the walks. Uh, he's up to he was at seven point three walk percentage in the minors uh, in twenty twenty two. 
So um, still below interesting average. Interesting to like say still that still below major league average. Right, but some, but uh, but definitely better than the four point four last year, two point nine and uh, high A when he was there for the uh, the sixty two games that he was in high A in twenty nineteen. So um, you know, getting better at it, but uh, still not anything that's uh, a calling card of his. Yeah. It, so I, I like I said, just the, the contact profiles where I went with Stephen Kwan. Uh, I do agree. Obviously, like I said, the the walk rate is not not anything that's uh, Kwan esque or uh, Jose esque. But um, yeah, I, I think it's a it's not a plus bat. It's not something that you're going to look at and say like this is great. But it's definitely a guy that I think that can fit the role that he's going to be in right now, where he's going to be almost an everyday player just around the infield. You know, today he started at third base and let uh, Jose have a DH spot um, against a left-hander making his major league debut. Um, He could possibly play some second, play some short. Um, He's obviously in the middle infield collect that they have with Arias and Rocchio and things like that. So, yeah, um, I mean the hope the hope would be like Nick Madrigal from 2020 and 2021. Nikki, not Nikki not Nick Madrigal from 2022. Nikki Nikki Gwynn? Nikki uh, Nikki Gwynn. That'd be nice. I yeah. uh, I have a I have a very weird uh, relationship with Nick Madrigal. I think we mentioned it on this pod that uh, I just equate him sometimes with Tony Gwynn because there was one very random stat that it was Nick Madrigal and Tony Gwynn the only ones that had ever done something. So I was like, this is the Nikki Gwynn. There we go. But uh, it rolls right off the tongue. Nikki Gwynn. Why not? Uh, what do you feel about Ernie Clement being sent down? Uh, yes. No positives. Negatives. I feel very little about it. I mean, it's, yeah, it's, I'm glad. I mean, it seems like Tyler Freeman is an improvement over Ernie Clement. So in that sense, it is good. Yes. The, <laughs> the, the ceiling for Clement is, I think below the floor of Tyler Freeman. So that's uh, like uh, Tyler Freeman's existence is just like a story above. Right. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Where <laughs> it's pretty rude to Ernie Clement. I hope he doesn't listen to this. <laughs> I hope he doesn't either. If he does, I am, I am at W. You have a very popular uh, Twitter account and I am okay. If you want to try, uh, Drag me on it, please. I uh, I appreciate that. So, I think um, you're a lovely. But yeah, journey. you're great. I just you are good on Twitter. Um, I just yeah, I just think that Tyler Freeman can be what Ernie Clement has been and better. So that's that's where I'm at on it. Uh, yeah, I mean, like, I don't think it's it's realistic. <laughs> Tyler Freeman's a prospect. Ernie Clement was never a prospect. Right. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. For sure. So, yeah. Okay. That seems to be our news and notes for the day. Uh, so let's go to what we came here to talk about. The trade deadline. Uh, 
Cleveland was supposed to uh, be at least a little bit active and uh, end up that they were uh, inactive on all fronts. Um, there was, as I said, there was a Zach Meisel piece that uh, mentioned um, that there was multiple offers from Cleveland to Oakland for Sean Murphy. Um, the deal just never materialized. Uh, Zach uh, was, was quoted in the piece, like I wrote down the rundown, uh, that the club preferred not to part with its top minor league talent uh, and mentioned, name-dropped, uh, Daniel Espino, George Valera, Gavin Williams, um, which meant to me that uh, those are guys that Oakland definitely asked about. And those are guys that I I wouldn't have wanted the team to trade in a, in a Murphy trade, or at least may, at, at most maybe Espino, just because of the injury uh, concerns that are on him. But um, if that was the cost, I not wanting to make the trade, seeing as how the organization seemed to be high on Bo Naylor, um, to the point that someone was on Twitter tweeting out that uh, he could possibly be making the majors this year. So um, I wonder, you, sometimes uh, I wonder, like, do you think they're like, I wonder how honest that is. Like, the those are the guys they inquired about. Like, because, you know, Espino's obviously, like, a top-tier talent. And, like, people, like, very much value him highly. And I think the same right. is true of Valera to a lesser extent. But Williams is, like, a little bit – he's a new guy. So, like, to right. equate him with those two, maybe, maybe the Guardians are, like, you know, Espino and Valera, super prospects, and, and Gavin Williams are a new guy, like, to try and hype them up for other teams. Right. I'd sort I I the Gavin Williams being included, I feel like I feel the opposite. The, he was inquired on and he's a newcomer to the like highly touted. And so um I think that it was I do think I mean it's very possible that there's some posturing by Cleveland on him, but um I do think that it's that Oakland did try to get in on him and, and they uh you know I'm I'm happy that they traded a day didn't trade him away, but I, I think if Zach was going for Zach and, or the guardians were going for flash, they would have just said Logan Allen or, you know, like, because he's the one that it was one of the first picks in the draft is now in Columbus. There's been talk about him coming, you know, pitching well. And but so Gavin Williams is flashier than Logan Allen. Like low, like Gavin now. Williams. Yeah. But I think he's, I think Gavin's still just newer to the scene rather right. than Allen. So. I just find it unrealistic to think that like they wouldn't have done a Sean Murphy trade centered around Gavin Williams. That just doesn't that doesn't pass the sniff test for me like the other okay. two do. I yeah. mean, like, don't get me wrong. I like Gavin Williams. I think he's good, but like, oh yeah, I don't, I don't think I don't think you're saying that Gavin Williams is worth the trade is worth dealing away. I would have been sad if it happened. I probably would have been okay with it too, just because of the we've been talking about it for so long. But right. we can um, have Sean Murphy now. Right, we would have had Sean Murphy. Sean Murphy would be in the the Guardians yellow, or white today. So yeah, Sean Murphy um, way better than Gavin Williams. Yes, I I agree. Um, <laughs> also in the uh, Meisel piece, uh, he mentioned that the team called on Wilson Contreras, um, but that they were ultimately concerned with the hand with his uh, being able to handle a pitching staff and his uh, behind the plate defense. Um, he would have been a rental and he was probably the least likely of the catchers that were uh, talked about. Um, so I, I, I didn't hold 
high respects on the fact that they were going to go after Contreras. So I'm not terribly surprised that this happened. Yeah. Or that it didn't happen, rather. Uh, the costs from Chicago seem to be exorbitant uh, against or for Contreras for a rental player. So um, if you're not trading Espino for, like, you know, Sean Murphy's talent, defense, and team control, you're definitely not trading him for a rental in Contreras. I'm not saying they asked for Espino, but if they're asking for top prospects, you know. No, I think the Guardians have shown time and time again they're not a team that does rentals uh, or gives up significant assets for rentals. And, uh, yeah, no, I have a feeling that if the Cubs accepted the Guardians' offer, they would have had a hard time explaining it to their fans. They would have been one of those. It was like, Wilson Contreras for Julian Merriweather? What? Right. We got him back and then traded him again? Um. (laughs) Yeah. No. Yeah. I mean, it, it would it would have been it wouldn't have been that low. But it like the Guardians don't do that. The Cubs would be embarrassed to say that they did that. That was never gonna happen. Right. Um and the final name that uh Zach mentioned was that uh the Guardians did call on Soto, but they were uh it was not in conversation um and that they were not wanting to uh deal the prospect hall for the, the window that team was in at the, at this time and again uh like as you said can't really blame them it's a yeah. it would have been a very big haul for two and a half years of one of the best hitters but that also means that you are giving up a lot of your prospect capital and we were trying to make up what the deal would have commiserate to san diego's prospects that they gave up and what do we what do we say the closest was? Would it would it have been Espino? Yeah, uh, we, were, we were just we were just matching Fangraphs like ratings. like FV values, right? So it would have been like yeah, it would have been like Espino and maybe like Rocchio and Valera, and then um, you know a couple of other throw in not throw ins but not like hardcore prospects, and then like a major league talent as well. Right, you know, because, yeah, no, they they were not going to do that, and like, maybe I would have done it. Maybe like if I could have gotten away with trading like some close prospects, some further prospects, even if it one of them's an Espino. But like, I think ultimately they're as tantalizing as Juan Soto is. Like they're right that like this is a move that, if everything goes according to plan for this team, like. It would have, and, it, and, it, and the Juan Soto move came along like two years from now. It would have been perfect, right? But like, right. it just it doesn't fit with the current state of things. Yeah. Um, and there was talk of how, you know, in a year and a half, they could trade Soto and recoup value, just you know, even with a year control left. But um, yeah, I don't, I, the Soto dream was just that, and it was a pipe dream. We yeah. all, you know, we talked about it, but it, it and it, and it would have made sense if they had gone and also added another. If they had added Pablo Lopez or Frankie Motas or something sure else, that you know, would have made sense. Like, I think, like Juan Soto is someone that you acquire for the next two and a half years when you are like at your apex mountain, to use a Bill Simmons term, uh, of like your 
competitive window. Are we in the rewatchables? What? Are we in the rewatchables now? Yeah, I'm sorry. Sorry for that reference. Um, No, but like, like, they're not at the Apex Mountain. They're just like at the inception. If we're going to use movie quotes. Right. Matt Damon was not at Apex Mountain after um, Goodwill Hunting, right? He's like, that's like where the Guardians are right now, or maybe slightly before Goodwill Hunting, right? Like, what? Got ways to go, and then like, you got Soto for three years. That's the that's the icing on top, right? Like that's right. You're a good team, and then you get Juan Soto, but like, the Guardians aren't where they want to be yet. So it doesn't make sense to jeopardize that right now. To like go all in in the next two and a half years, right? What what was this Apex Mountain? Was it the was it Jason Bourne? Was it Bourne Identity? I feel like that was it. That yeah, they might yeah. I think that's the the Bourne series. What else could it be? Departed maybe, but I feel like that was on the downslope. Yeah, yeah. I I don't know. Departed Goodwill would have Goodwill would have started it, and then. Like the Bourne movies were probably the bet, or the, probably the height. Talented Mr. Ripley was in there too. Talented Mr. Ripley's, Ripley's on the upswing, I think. Yeah, um, that's on the trail up. Uh, I think Departed was on the way down. Yeah, but, I think Departed and Bourne, yeah. Like, Departed was Departed, great. I just well, think that Bourne, was the, the Bourne I think that was the start of the downhill. The Bourne trilogy is 2002 to 2007, and the Departed's 2006. So it's like. Yeah. 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 It's a. All right. Okay. This is Matt Damon talk. This is this is your Matt Damon segment. We're keeping it in, guys. I'm okay with it. Uh, okay. So um, I wanted to bring up, um, excuse me, uh, guardians that were not traded. Um, we were expecting, you know, prospects moved, and obviously uh, none of them were. So they're all still here. But uh, there was a lot of talk about. Um, Zach Plezak being moved, uh, Fran Reyes being moved. Uh, we've been we're very big on get Ahmed Rosario out of here. Um, and now he seems to be as untouchable as Jose Ramirez almost. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I mean, no, but no, but yes, he seems to be the, a clubhouse, a guy that would have really shaken the roster i feel like if they if they actually did deal ahmed i think if there was value there they would have done it but i do think that uh it would have unsettled a roster that is growing and moving and is seems to be using ahmed as a leader and a clubhouse figure and like a big brother of sorts and uh I, I think it would have been a, a bigger move had they moved Ahmed. So yeah, if they trade Ahmed, if they traded Ahmed, it would have been you know as a part of a larger package to acquire like more major league talent. Like it, right? You know, I'm not sure. Like I can't think of a trade off the top of my head that realistically makes sense. Like I doubt Oakland would want a shortstop for one and a half years right now. But like it would have been part of a bigger trade from a team right. that's like you know retooling or whatever. Right. Yeah, I don't think uh, I can't think of who would have done it. Like if St. Yeah. Louis had if St. Louis had made the Soto move, maybe they would have tried to get Ahmed to help in the because feasibly like Nolan Gorman would have gone. 
the Red Sox could have traded for right. Rosario because who knows what the Red Sox are doing? What, who knows what Xander Bogarts is going to do? Um, <laughs> well, who knows so. what the Red Sox are doing in general? Is more like they could that put also. Ahmed Rosario, or they could have put him at third. Who knows? Right, crazy. Um, but Zach, please, Zach. Uh, there was a lot of talk about him being dealt to the Phillies, who were looking for pitching. They ultimately went with Noah Syndergaard, um, who's on a one-year deal. Um, but uh, please, Zach has been disappointing i think is probably the right word uh he's been decent but hasn't been what we uh saw in uh 2020 wasn't what definitely has been almost close to what he's been last year uh probably a little bit better than that but um so it was interesting to see his name being on the trade block but it made sense given that the organizational depth that was behind him and coming up um i don't know that they want to start the clocks on Hunter Gaddis or Logan Allen and uh, Paul Battenfield, Connor Pilkington seems to be Peyton. coming up. Peyton. What did I say? Paul. Paul. I don't know where Paul came from. Uh, I like Paul Battenfield. Paul Battenfield. Paul, Paul Warfield, maybe? That's probably it. Some deep-seated <laughs> Browns residue that was there. Who knows? But uh, Peyton Battingfield uh, could have possibly been a guy that they were looking at, you know, putting in the putting in the rotation and please that spot. But um, he yeah. uh, he will be here for the next couple of years until he's not here, and um, which is great analysis. But you know, <laughs> Zach Plesac is, um, you know, I was kind of in the camp that I was hoping they traded him because, like, I'm not the biggest Zach Plesac fan, and. You know, as you've pointed out, just it seems like there are so many guys behind him with a higher ceiling than he is probably ever going to reach that it's just like his value is still pretty high, though, because he is a controllable major league starting pitcher. He is like inarguably a controllable major league starting pitcher. Right. And that has like a serious amount of value. Um, like if a team can count on you to you know, make starts and go in through five innings, like in 2022, that matters. Right. Uh, especially if you're doing it for pre-arb prices. Yeah. Uh, and if you're, if you're a playoff team, you could use him to do, to be a, the fourth or fifth guy in your rotation. And then in the playoffs, you shorten him up and use him as a fireman after, you know, pair him with somebody else. I'd have him pitch two innings in the playoffs, you know, like that's, a very easy, you know, thinking that you could uh, you could see him being um, for a, a, a team in the playoffs. So yeah, um, I can see that because we've yeah. I mean we've long mentioned that he's should be a, a, a bullpen guy anyway. I don't mind him being in the rotation this year. I don't mind him being rotation long term. But um, as you said, we, he ultimately is not a guy that's in the long term framework of the Ross. Why I think he was being. Uh, shuttled around but uh, ultimately right. wasn't dealt um the cleveland, the cleveland guardians world series winning team probably does not have zach plesak in the starting rotation right yeah. correct uh and the last guy that i wanted to mention that uh, was not dealt but was moved off of the roster uh was fran mil reyes um oscar gonzalez returned from the il probably should put his news in notes uh but uh fran mil reyes was sent down to triple a yesterday um, they waited the longest time to make that actual announcement. So I don't, uh, it seems to me that they were, uh, 
trying to get him off the roster um, for some sort of a prospect because they didn't make that. They had a lineup that had Oscar Gonzalez in in it posted before the transaction that had Oscar Gonzalez on the 26-man roster. So that uh, that to me screams that they were dialing and calling people up trying to get rid of uh, Fred Mill, um, which sucks because it would have been selling low. I'm happy that he's still with the organization. Um, I don't know who it was on Twitter, but uh, they were – they were looking at Fran Mill's stat cast and trying to see it. I mean, it actually might have been uh, Travis Logic, um, now that I think about it. Uh, but they were looking at his baseball savant page, and they were saying that the batted ball for Fran Mill is actually still really good. It's just that there's not many batted balls that are happening. And so when you're, when you're only able to add... <coughs> uh, any kind of positive to the team with your bat and your bat's not hitting the ball, that's an issue. And yeah. uh, so, you know, they immediately call up Oscar Gonzalez and uh, he played yesterday, played well today, had a home run and a, and a double um, fun little tidbit playing that right I, field. Right. Playing right field. Uh, fun but little he, tidbit he, that I he found. Hit a misplay in right field. Oh, misplay in right field. I thought you yeah. said he was playing in right field. Yeah, it was a hard um, hit ball. Um, Alec Thomas hit a hard hit ball right over his head. Catchable ball. Stephen Kwan would have caught it. Gotcha. But yeah, we that's Oscar Gonzalez for you. Uh, yeah, that is, like I can say that's pretty much it. Um, he did have a, a, an interesting little tidbit that I found. He's only he was on the IL for a month, six weeks almost, mm-hmm. and he is only six doubles behind Ahmed Rosario. Uh, on the roster, so that just goes to show how hot he was before he got hurt. Um, That's kinda, that is so wild. It's a like, very interesting number. Is Ahmed Rosario leading the team in plate appearances? Like, I feel like he is. I wouldn't be terribly Let's surprised. Let's see. By that. I, if I had to guess who is leading the team in plate appearances, I would guess Ahmed Rosario, and I would be wrong by seven plate appearances. He has seven fewer than Jose Ramirez, but... Uh, Oscar Gonzalez has 134 plate appearances, and he has six fewer doubles than Ahmed Rosario, noted doubles hitter with 423 plate appearances. That is wild. That is wild. Yeah, that glad is hard I, to believe. Glad I, glad I found that for everybody. So, yeah. um, well, it's more. It, I feel like it has more to do with Oscar Gonzalez. Like Oscar Gonzalez, like hits the ball so hard, but he doesn't get any loft on it, like ever. So what does that mean? It means lots of doubles off the 19-foot wall in left field. Right. Um, yeah, it goes to – it goes to it speaks to a little bit of the changes that he made to his swing in the in the majors from the minors. He had he was just basically a grip-it-and-rip-it kind of guy in the minors and seems to be – has changed that around a whole bunch and been more focused on uh, making contact over – you know, hitting at 400 feet. Um, so it's, it's good to see that he's doing that. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah, it's, it does, it does hurt the the home run total, but it's helping his doubles, which is again, it's kind of one of those things where that's what the team's trying to do right now. They're trying to just make contact and help out the roster. So. Yeah. First of, Oscar Gonzalez, he has swung at like a, like 
the only three players ahead of him in terms of out of swing rate um, who have played Major League Baseball for the Guardians this year are Will Benson, Yu Ching, and Gabriel Arias. So, like, he does chase a lot, but he also swings at almost every strike. It is basically the Tim Anderson approach, um, which is wonderful, except Tim Anderson, you know, I guess Tim Anderson hits for some power. I don't know. If he can, if he can keep the swing and miss down, um, which, you know, is a big ask when you're swinging at almost – you're when you're basically swinging a four out of every nine pitches out of the strike zone, which right. is what he's doing. Uh, but if he can keep that swing and miss down, like, you are looking at, like, a good hitter. Like, he is – Yeah. Yeah. I think, like, prospect evaluators knocked him a bit because of his approach. And I'm kind of afraid of bad approach guys too. But if you're swinging and missing – or, sorry, if you're swinging at pitches in the zone as often as he is, like – you can get away with chasing a lot. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. For sure. Yeah, yeah no, I think um, I am pleasantly surprised with how well Oscar Gonzalez is doing. And I am like starting to believe. I was not a believer. I'm starting to believe. Yeah, I I have gotten there on Oscar as well. I do. I'm just amazed at someone at his ability to turn what I thought was going to be a two-week stint on the roster into a a guy with trade value, a guy that's actually like able to do things on a roster, do things with a major league bat. So um, I'm, I'm, I'm excited about it. So, uh, but uh, yeah, I think that Oscar Gonzalez is just a, uh, I am amazed that he's able to help out and add to uh, his value. Yeah. Oscar Gonzalez is in his age 24 season, which is like, when you consider that he missed a full season of the minor leagues, um, just really impressive. Like he is a young player, unheralded as a minor leaguer, and he is making it. And that is like super exciting. Yeah. I mean, you know who else that describes? Jose Ramirez. Like, yeah, I'm not saying not, he's not Jose wrong. Ramirez. Right. But it was like everyone loved Jose Ramirez because I feel like no one expected anything from him. And then he came up in that first year he was up. He was really fun. Um, second year, less fun. Um, but point is, is like Oscar Gonzalez, same thing. Exciting, fun, young. Yeah. What's funny is that we turned a, uh, Fran Reyes segment into an Oscar Gonzalez love fest. Yes. And, Poor Fran uh, Reyes. you know, it's, it, it is, but it Here's leads into, about Fran go ahead. Go ahead. I was, I was going to go, go, I was just going to move on and go on to our next, uh, our next, our last topic of the night. And, I'll, be and just, I'll be quick. I'll be quick. Okay. I'll be quick. Uh, Framil Reyes. Um, yes, the Guardians still believe in Framil Reyes. They, sure, they were trying to trade him because it's nice to get something for him and he can stay in the major leagues maybe. Um, they still believe in him. Uh, it just at a certain point, you can't just be so bad for so long and expect to take up a, take up a roster spot. So right. he's going to go down there. He's going to fix his slump. And then he's going to come back up probably. Or get traded. Yeah. yeah well, not traded. Trade deadline. I can see. Uh, Miles actually mentioned that he could get like non-tendered. I don't see it. I I don't I'm see it either. Scared. But with the arbitration numbers and 
I mean, he's going to be making four mil, four and a half mil, five million dollars in arbitration, mm-hmm. which is not a lot. But if you're a team that has roster issues and you have a guy like Austin who's under team con- team control and is going to be, you know, a good version of Fran Mel. Why would you not just take the team control guy that's uh, got longer leash on him? But uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't see it. That's, that's for that's for future Joe and Mitch to deal with mm-hmm. and talk about. So, okay, last uh, last segment that I wanted to talk about. Um, I have it labeled uh, "Youth Youth Runneth Over," um, and uh, actually, I had it backwards on there. But anyway. Um, the roster right now, the major league roster easily is the youngest in the league. And we've been talking for months now about, you know, calling, call up the kids, call up these young, young prospects and let's see what they have. And that's what this year is going to be. And it's pretty obvious. That's what they're doing. But the situation is now where are these guys going to play? There's only nine spots that they're able to that they're able to uh, to hit, and you have uh, and Francona's got to find roster spots or you know or lineup options for. Obviously, Jose is is dialed in, Andres Jimenez is dialed in, Ahmed Rosario is dialed in, Steve Kwan is dialed in, and you have the catcher spot. So that's five at least, guys, and Miles Straw. I would say Miles Straw probably about Josh Naylor. He's. I, I feel like the injury stuff is just a little bit nebulous at this point in time. But I, yeah, I mean, if, if then you're looking. He's at, healthy. He's playing. Oh yeah, hundred percent. But then you're. So I, I, I agree. So with Straw, you're you've got seven guys for nine nine spots in the lineup that are like locks for the post. and that are locks. They are are trying to get in. And so you're trying to find roster. You're trying to find playing time for Nolan Jones, Will Benson, Oscar Gonzalez, Freeman, uh, Owen Miller. You know, that's a lot of guys that you're trying to shuffle in and out of your lineup. And the downfall, like I said, of, of trying, of doing the let's call up all the kids is there's going to be stretches where these guys aren't going to play. And you know Oscar's hitting right now, so he's he's in. Nolan was playing well two weeks ago and has been on and off now. Um, Owen Miller started to tick up a little bit more. He had a big home run yesterday that helped out uh, the the club, but um, his defensive woes at first base are a little little obvious. Not as not they're not as bad as everyone makes them out. The air it just happens that the, the errors are so egregious. I mean, we're looking at two spots. We're looking at first base. You're looking at right field because it, I, I think they I think they would like to have Josh Naylor be the everyday first baseman. I just think that they're a little worried about the leg at this point, so I don't know that you could really dial him in there every day. So right field, first base are really the two spots that you can mix guys in. And then you have the Tyler Freeman is in the early Ernie Clement role of the Range Rover, every you know the the, the everywhere guy, um, yeah. But and where are you gonna find where are you gonna find spots for these guys, Mitch? Well, going to find also, spots for these. 
I'm making you responsible for this. Where are you <laughs> going to find time to this? This is you. Okay, I do. It is kind of rich and kind of funny that like everyone was complaining about how much playing time Ernie Clement was getting, and now Tyler Freeman in the exact same role. It's like, how oh, is he going to get enough playing time? I do find that a little humorous. Uh, sure, but no, I um I think one thing that you didn't mention is Will Benson played a lot of first base in the minor leagues. Not come, but right before he came up, he played like, I can say he was starting to be, he was starting to move over the first. That's what I mean. Like right before he came up, he was playing a lot of first base. Um, So I think that hints at Naylor being DH'd a lot. And now that we know Framio Reyes is sent down, that kind of makes more sense that like Will Benson can play first base when Naylor is DHing. So that's one, one opportunity. Like I think like, Naylor can play first base in DH. Will Benson can play right field in first base. Nolan Jones can play right field in first base. Tyler Friedman can play anywhere in the infield. Like, they're going to mix and match. I mean, that's – we. I referenced this earlier, but that's what the Dodgers do. And the Dodgers are, right. um, you know, the Dodgers are the gold standard right now. Like, they're the Yankees of old except also smart and not just throwing money at their problems. Like, yeah, that's that's what they do. Like they're gonna the Guardians are gonna find a way. And like, you know, I do think maybe some of this this is completely me, you know, blowing smoke right now, but maybe some of the issue about playtime is alleviated by the fact that it does seem like chemistry is so good right now. Yes. Like maybe the fact that like everyone has a role, everyone does their part, everyone's trying to contribute to a young, exciting winning team. Like maybe the fact that you know, Will Benson's not getting as many at bats as maybe he'd like right now. Maybe that doesn't matter because he is contributing to a winning team as a defensive replacement. He's doing his job and right. everyone's happy. Um, right. So I don't know. Like maybe I think I'm not super worried about everyone getting playing time, but maybe it doesn't matter. Like maybe it won't stand in the way of their development and playing the hot bat is the right thing to do for being, you know, a happy winning yeah. clubhouse. Yes, I I made that point today in our Discord um, when uh, they the the team posted Tyler Freeman's like entrance to the dugout from the from the field and the the greetings that took like three minutes because he had played with so many of these guys in Columbus mm-hmm. that and and Akron you know he's seeing all the guys that he was with in the minors he was seeing. You know Josh Naylor on rehab assignments, uh, seeing Steve Kwan and Nolan and Oscar and Benson, and you know going down the line of all these guys that have all uh, played with. Oh, Miller played there last year. Um, yeah, it I, I, it does speak to chemistry. It does speak to um, a, the way the roster is built right now. That these are guys that have been around each other for years. They have the chemistry of a. They have the chemistry of a of a hardened uh, veteran team, but they're 20, 23. They're twenty three, yep. twenty four, and they're you know they're they're not getting paid that much. They're not. Yep. There's no egos that are there that like I deserve deserve this at this point because they're you know or their handlers are plenty and everything like that so yeah and who are the leaders in the clubhouse it's jose ramirez it's ahmed rosario it's shane bieber it's uh austin hedges like 
these right. are likable guys who try really hard and like and then they just have a bunch of young guys who all already love each other like right like it seems like everything's fine and if like yeah if uh nolan jones goes cold for a bit and needs to be used as like you know an occasional pinch hitter with a good matchup and that's fine because it seems like everyone's kumbaya everyone's yeah. copacetic everybody's still vibes man exactly still vibes right exactly it's, 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 it's what so, it seems like it really does like, it yeah it, it really does i can say i I'm, I'm being like funny but it is just how it is like these guys are just going yeah. up and just going up and hitting and and they're doing it without really any issues so oh, um man steven Kwan's just the best like isn't he just yes. like so lovable yes for sure it, it just think- i i i we stand a short king here i'm five seven on a good day and like we i'm i'm here for all steve kwan positives just because the man is surrounded by behemoths like when when will benson got called up and Oscar came back, and you know they they've got I think at least two guys that are like well over six foot. Yeah. I know well, Nolan's big boy. Yeah, I know Nolan's tall, but like these, these poor Miles Shaw, Miles Straw, and uh, and Stephen Kwan are just like yeah. you know craned in their eyes. He just like looks like he's just so. I don't know. You you hear him in the dugout, and he's so grounded—not in the dugout, but like in a in an interview, like with Andre Nod or whomever. Yeah, uh, and he's so grounded. And then you know he's up there, and he's doing the same thing every time. He is just looking to work the count, find a pitch to his liking, and hit a line drive somewhere. He is doing he, that every single time. He it's looks just, like he's been doing. He he looks like he's been doing this for years. Yeah, he looks so I'm, relaxed at the plate that there's no way that you can be like. There's no nerves there. There's yeah, no I, like heightened at all i made this comparison before um before he came up i was like i think like this could be like a brett gardner style player um and he is a brett gardner style player except way more likable than brett gardner just like as a human being like he just like he's so enjoyable he looks like he's having a great time and i don't know i just like wanted to give a shout out to stephen kwan for sure if stephen kwan listens to this podcast ever like you know, hit me up, man. Come hit on, friends. Show it to Ernie. We'll be all fun. we'll be all buddies. But uh, yeah, we're Steve Kwan. We love you, and uh, we stand a short king. So uh, that's what we do yes. here. I'm five eight, by the way. So yes, I'm with yeah, you. Yeah, I could say five. Seven. I'm five seven on a good day. I am like my my wife is just about the same height as me, maybe in an inch taller than and and um. It is. It is interesting. I enjoy it, and it's. I've always been the shortest guy Short in, the, in the room. Oh yeah, short yeah. guy in the room. That's me. So, all right. Well, I think that does it for us tonight. Uh, and uh, I, yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, I don't know what else we need to talk about. If there is anything, I, I'm good. Are you good? Yeah, I'm good. And yeah. we made a goal of getting out of here by nine. People love when we do behind the scenes banter. On air. Right when when we're talking about when we're recording on on right. on here, yeah, absolutely. People love if I if this I've learned great. anything about listening to podcasts or from my podcast listening, it's that people love when you talk about the podcast. On the absolutely, podcast. you want more 
that behind the scenes, you yeah. know, our fans clamor, right? The, the, the 12 of you that listen and call Ethan farmer. Uh, that's what we're here for. And that's who we do it. That's what we do it for is, is farmer Ethan. So they're a vocal bunch. They are. They, they sure are, but we're going to get out of here before we make even more bigger fools of ourselves. So good night, everybody. Uh, you guys take care and, uh, go guards. I'm Ken Harbaugh, host of Warriors in Their Own Words, a podcast that presents the unvarnished, unsanitized truth of what we have asked of those who defend this nation. As a country, we need these stories more than ever. Stories from Americans who have borne the battle, including 30-year-old remastered interviews with veterans from World War I recounting their time in the trenches of Europe, and with veterans from World War II, Korea, Vietnam, and from our most recent conflicts in Iraq, Afghanistan, and other battlefields Americans may never have heard of. Hear their stories by listening to Warriors in Their Own Words wherever you find podcasts.